partners from around the world, I, I want them to know just how much I and we as a church value you, uh, those of you in the audience, and we communicate. We absolutely love you, and, and we are here for you, for you as well. And I'm so grateful to the Lord Jesus that he has given uh, you to us and us to you. In talking about this, uh, this love, this is the five, part five, um, in talking about this love, I think that all of us as believers must know that our mission from God is not complete until we actually are rooted and grounded in love. It is not complete. There's nothing we can do in the world that is as important as being God's love message to all of those in our sphere. We want to make sure we do that. And I, I mentioned Sunday, I think, uh, an incident that happened here once. And I want to say, let's not think that everything is about us. Let's not think everything is about us. But let us yield ourselves to the Lord and uh, give him our very best. Let us do that. Uh, in the, the scripture, in Romans 15, uh, 1 through 3, I've entitled this, I will live for the benefit of others. I do know that we are mostly selfish uh, as human beings. We are selfish. But we must live, if we are to please God, for the benefit of others. In Romans 15, verse 1, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. And so as I look at this scripture, uh, Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is, is teaching us, sharing with us, telling us that those of us who feel that we are strong and those of us who are strong, he says, we ought to bear with the weak people. And uh, that's not often taught or not, not often done. And so even in this particular day in which we live, we should make sure that we are considering the weak. That is, we should bear with the, the weaknesses of the weak. We should, we should accommodate them wherever possible. And then he adds quickly, and not to please ourselves. So I would like to just say to all of us, as we are living in this particular time period, let us not please ourselves first. Let us, of course, the scripture says, look out for your own interests, uh, but also the interests of others. So he's not saying to you that you should never look out for your own interests, but, but I, I don't think the me first is a Christian attitude. As I've said uh, to all of us that, uh, that I was taught growing up that God was first and that others were second, and then I came along last. And that is the right and proper way. It's not necessarily a, a 21st century uh, message but it is a first century, century message, and it is the message of God. Then he says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good. And what, what Paul is saying is that when you and I look out for the interests of others and we please others uh, for their good, we want to do things that we want to look out for each other and do things for your good, not for my benefit, but for your good. And he says, this will lead to building things up. So you will build people up when they know that you have their interest at heart also. So we want to live like that. 
the, the, I want to share these things because it is my view, total view, uh, Christian view, my biblical worldview, is, is that God wants to see his son's glorious church operating in the earth. And of course, I, it, it, I, I know sometimes it seems like I'm on my harp again, but I would like to apologize in this sense by saying this is the gospel. This is the gospel, and I would like to see all of us living the gospel, walking out the gospel. I, you know, if we were to do this, then that light would shine. Remember when we were kids, we sang the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We stopped singing that when we got grown. <laughs> we have to do better. And so I want us all to do better. And so it says here that we should look out for our neighbors leading to edification. And then Paul gives us the ultimate example. I love the fact that he gives us the ultimate example. He says, for even Christ did not please himself. I think maybe what Paul is saying is, if anyone had the right to please himself, it would be Jesus Christ. Wow. He says, but even the Son of God, you know, the one who had all the rights and privileges but laid, laid all that down for us. He said, even he uh, did not please himself. Now, listen, but as it is written, yeah, but as is, it is written, when the Scripture says, as it is written, it's talking about what is unchangeable. It's solid. It's written, and, and let it be done. And he says, the reproaches of those who repro reproach you fell on me. Reproaches, you know, those people who found fault with God, those people who would blame God for everything. Uh, that's, it fell on Jesus. Those people who would uh, speak in a disgraceful tone concerning God or would try to uh, discredit God, it all fell on Jesus. And so I think, I think also we should look at this as though when people want to say ugly things of God or, or, or disparaging things concerning Jesus, they ought to fall on us. Let them, let them fall on us. Because Jesus took the brunt of every criticism, every hateful thought that men had. He took it upon himself. Because every thought they had for God, he took the blows. And I would like for all of us as believers, believers to, to change our, our mentality, our attitude, if it needs to be changed in regards to these things. We have one of the most golden opportunities of my lifetime, and I've lived, uh, my granddaughters don't like for me to say it, but I've lived almost three quarters of a century. I mean, I mean they say, don't say that. That sounds so bad, Papa. Sounds, but you know, that means that we've gone through some things. And some of you have not lived three quarters of a century, but you lived half a century. And then we've got some babes in here who've lived a quarter of a century. You know? But can you imagine to live that long and, and look at the, the times that you're in and say, we have probably never had such an opportunity to showcase Jesus Christ as now by always doing what he commands and what he tells us. Boy, wow. You know, you know Psalm 69, 9 is where Paul gets that, uh, the reproaches of, of those who reproach you, Father, fell on me. He says, because zeal for your house has eaten me up. And I would like to just say, uh, if, it, if it should be an apology, that the zeal for God's house consumes me. <clears throat> This consumes me, and I want it to consume you as well. You know, because no one person ha has ever won the battle except Jesus. 
He's the only one person. The rest of us, we need each other in an amazing way. Let me look at Galatians chapter 6. If you'll turn there, I think I may have, what they, the kids say, flip the script. So go to Galatians chapter 6, uh, let's look at verse 1. And so he talks to us about our comportment, uh, the way we carry ourselves, the way we live our lives. Remember this, Jesus is going to come back, all right? I want Jesus to find all of us faithfully doing what he wants us to do, discharging uh, our duties before him. In Galatians 6, verse 1, the apostle says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, not the ones that you say, oh, yeah, I understand that. No, any trespass. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Someone, someone did something uh, pretty offensive, you know, to me. Uh, don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> I don't feel sorry for myself. But, and so I, I, w I was talking about that, or it came up in a conversation, and someone asked, well, what are you going to do? Oh, I said, I'm going to just forgive it because we all uh, need forgiveness. I'm going to forgive it because we're all hurting and being hurt. So our responsibility before God is to do like Jesus told us. He says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So Paul says, the way you treat others is going to come back to you. He said, be careful about that. And so bear, verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. Isn't that such a beautiful thing? When someone has pain here, we, we, what we do is bear their burdens. We get under their burdens with them. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to be like Jesus? I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I know that there are those who would say, uh, and as I've read the Bible, Jesus said to his disciples, he called them servants at one juncture. And then the second, he called them his friends. They seemed to be graduating. And uh, then he said uh, to Mary, go tell my brethren to meet me in Galilee. Go tell my brethren. And so I was, I was just asking Jesus, Jesus, you know, I, I don't know if I consider myself your friend. You know, I... I, I think that could very well be that we are friends of God. But I said, I'm not too sure of that. I, I know I'm, I'm one of your brothers, but maybe not in the same context as, as the, the, the 12. Maybe it's a different context. I said, but I can always be your servant. And I want to be that servant who pleases you in everything. I, would, I want whatever you think. If you were to drop something, which you can't do, but if you were to drop something, I would want to pick it up before you stooped over. I want to be your servant. And we have an opportunity to be the most amazing generation, uh, I believe, uh, ever. Maybe even including the first century, or at least be, be parallel to them. We can do that. Yes, this is the, our cese puede moment. This is our cese puede moment. Yes, we can do it. So pa Paul tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Wow. And that law is a law of love. Yeah, love lifted me. Yeah. When nothing else could help, love lifted me and love lifted you. He says, for if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Wow. Thanks, Paul. 
uh, I'm going to just sort of bring, bring our message uh, somewhat to a close. Let me see, unless I not say. Okay, let me, let me go. Let, let me go. I'm going to skip again. Let me go to Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 17 and n- through 19. And, you know, I, I don't know, one of these days when I get to, to, to heaven, I'm going to say, the Lord, the Lord's going to probably say something like, boy, you sure were an optimistic God. A guy all your life. You thought you could get through those 40 scriptures in 20 minutes. But I'll, I don't know, for something, they look so small. Um, someone might say some of the things that we are saying uh, are, are just basic things, and I've heard that. Uh, perhaps they are basic, but they're, they're, they're foundational. But they're also structural. And uh, the, they are things that you need to do and walk in as the structure is built. Um, and so, uh, when we talk about the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, those things perhaps are basic, but they are also fundamental to your success as a believer. And since we have a great opportunity to love Jesus, maybe, and demonstrate it in a way that others haven't seen, let's be about our Father's business. In Ephesians 3, verse, verses 17 through 19, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What a great scripture. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And so you believe that he is there. He'll dwell in there if you believe. He says he will dwell in you if you believe. That you, us, being rooted and grounded in love. Can you imagine? This is, is farm speech, speak for those of us who are city people. So he's talking about about you uh, being in the soil of God's love, rooted and grounded, planting that. You are planted there in the love of God. And so it it depends on the kind of soil that you are planted in and the richness of that soil. It depends on what kind of fruit you produce. And, And you and I are planted, rooted, and grounded in the love of God. How can we be mean? Please help me. Uh, Please help me. I I don't understand how we can be mean when we are planted in in the love of God. He says, now, being rooted and grounded, planted, Salt and watered in the love of God that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. So, so God is talking about a corporality. He is talking not about just an individ- individualistic view, but he says that you and I will be able, as the body of Christ, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the width? Oh, God. What is the length and the depth? And the height, hallelujah, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Why, Why, Paul? What are you saying? That you may be filled. You may be filled with some, with all the fullness of God. So what Paul is saying is if we are planted in this soil of love, we will produce Love, we will produce more and more. And then the world will know 
The world will know not only that we are Christians, but they'll know that God the Father sent Jesus. That's what God wants us to do. We have a marvelous opportunity. A marvelous opportunity. So I want to say that. Uh, this, the measure, is the fullness of God in corporate, the corporate body. But Christ, who alone is that fullness, he alone has the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But we can have it in him. In him. So, so we can experientially participate in this fullness. Don't you want that? I sure want that. Let's do it, believers. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to step down. I'll come back in a moment.